Welcome to the Mark Stary Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Stary, and I'm a 15-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota Metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Stary, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music, including my new track, Dog Park, is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, etc. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. If you get an extra buck or two that you wouldn't mind tossing in the podcast tip jar, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Stary Music Podcast. Also consider helping get the word out in the street via social media, five-star rating and review on iTunes, word of mouth, etc. Happy Thought of the Day is by Prince. The key to longevity is to learn every aspect of music that you can. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 91. Thanks to all the folks who contribute to this podcast on Patreon.com. Coming at you this week from my construction job site-like home in St. Paul, Minnesota. My grandma, who I help with each week, is in Regents Hospital with some heart trouble, so we're pulling for a speedy recovery. Last week's Geeks Wrap-Up. Wednesday, I played a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. Nice to see that Oz is now off the captain and rocking the vodka Mio's. Thursday, I played a solo show at Tuttle's in Hopkins, Minnesota. Great to see Chris won a copper the Wonder Golden's canine-inspired change students out and about. Friday, I played a solo show at Ingredients in White Bear Lake, Minnesota. Have a fun time in Door County, Scott and Maureen. Saturday, Brian K. Johnson and myself rocked out at Petey Pappy's in Stillwater, Minnesota. May have been the show of the summer. Great weather, crowd, and celebrity guest sightings such as Paul from Milltown, who taught Kid Rock how to rap, and Jimmy P. from River Falls, who's starring in Expendables 4. Sunday, Brian K. Johnson, Brian Ricochet, Lige, and I rocked out at the annual 7 Eighths Jam in Jenkins, Minnesota. Enjoyed working with the Judd Haley duo and rocking with Burkhart and Billy Larson was another memorable summer highlight. And yes, Gable, the fireworks were effing awesome. Upcoming shows. Wednesday, July 12th, 2017. I'll be playing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Thursday, July 13th, Brian K. Johnson and myself will be rocking out at Lucky's 13 in Roseville, Minnesota from 4 to 7 p.m. Friday, July 14th, I'll be playing a solo show at Nova in Hudson, Wisconsin from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. Saturday, July 15th, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself will be jamming at Vanelli's by the Lake in Forest Lake, Minnesota from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. Sunday, July 16th, I'll be playing a solo show at Paradise Landing in Balsam Lake, Wisconsin from 4 to 7 p.m. Guest this week. 
part two of three with the frontman slash singer-songwriter of the popular Minnesota rock band The Honey Dogs, Adam Levy. We discuss Adam's cool forearm tattoo, the band XTC, Dan Neal, etc. Enjoy the conversation. Mr. Adam Levy, welcome back to the Mark Stary Music Podcast, part two. Thanks for sticking around, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Again, we're still here at Karma Coffee here in Northeast Minneapolis, enjoying some iced coffees here. It's a beautiful place, a beautiful day today. Yes. What do you got going on today? Oh, I thought I was going to do a little bit of songwriting, kind of hunt my daughters down and hang out with them a little bit. Um... I don't know. I'm. Uh, I've been wanting to go back to the boxing gym. That was my. It's about three blocks from here, and uh, I love Uppercut. It's just an amazing place to hang out. Cool, man. Yeah, I love boxing. I just haven't been able to do it for a while. Now that I got my hand healing, it's a little problematic for a bit. Did you? Did you follow boxing as well? You know, I don't watch a lot of boxing, but I love. I love doing it. Okay. I'm just not much of a of a. Uh, competitive sports person but boxing is almost kind of zen like to me this perfect blend of body movement and meditation and power it's a really cool feeling like once you get into the rhythm of one of these hour-long classes you're just like you're on the clock you know you you they, they run the classes like a like a match you know you're just working your whole body and you're hitting stuff and you're hitting people and you're just running and by the time it's done you're just like your brain is most awesome endorphins that sounds like a great day man it It just sounds like a good day hanging out with some family doing a little boxing hanging out sounds like a good day right in I'm, I'm today, Tuesdays are usually my days I do my podcast interviews and mix them up. So I'm actually cutting two podcasts today, recording one with you, and then later tonight I'm meeting up with uh, Allie Gray and Steve Merrill. Oh, we're, nice. doing, we're doing a top five hairband. I do top five oh, episodes too. They're funnier in hell. But uh, top five 80s hairbands uh, ballads. Nice. Do you have a vote we can throw in on there? <laughs> it's weird. I really kind of missed a lot of that. It's like. You know, what song? I guess it would be, um, I loved when it came out, if we consider these guys a hair band, more than... More, more than words. Yeah, more than words. Extreme. Yeah, extreme. That Nuno would have Bettencourt to be my... Nuno and I can't, Gary Sharon. Yeah. More than words to show you feel That's your I, I didn't. I wasn't like a big MTV guy. I wasn't listening to a lot of stuff. For some reason, that song kind of stuck out just because of those nice harmonies and stuff on it. Super cool. Uh, that'll be your vote. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about that tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'll um, have to say hi to both of them too, from Adam. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, when I saw, I came to one of your your uh, CD release shows many years ago. Yeah. With Dan Neal, who used to play with me for ten thousand oh years. Yeah. And. Uh, Met up with Greg Ryerson there. Yeah. Um, Disney Master Your Stuff, too, Yes. Greg? He does wonder, all our stuff, too. I bet that was the What Comes After show, like in 2012 at First Avenue. No, it was nope. at... Uh, I was going to ask you about First Ave, but this was at... Uh, 
Ah, uh, the Varsity Theater. Oh, wow. Years and years ago. Yeah. Amygdala, maybe? I don't and, know. I, and the guy that was playing guitar, I swore it was Jeff Bennett from Wilco before he passed away. You look just like him. Brian. I think it's Brian Halverson at that time. That would have been Brian. Anyway, so since then, the first thing I noticed was that you had this cool tattoo on your arm that went across like this. Uh-huh. And Dan Neal's even like, oh, Adam's getting tattoos now. You know. <laughs> so what does that tattoo on your arm mean? The forearm one. It's a, it's a, a phrase in Hebrew, and the phrase is tikkun olam, which means to heal the world. Um, it's a it's a sort of Jewish spiritual idea that we can't be redeemed, we can't have a relationship with God until we have done everything to make the world a more equitable place for everybody. Very cool. Love that tattoo story. Thank but you. I've wondered for once in ten years what that what that tattoo meant. We're seeing. I was like, God, that looks so cool, man. I, don't I can care what it I said. can go deeper on the story too. <laughs> if you want, go ahead. Well, uh, so I had the tattoo done, and I I put the phrase uh, on a word document. And when I took the word document into the tattoo place, they printed it out, and they put it on me but what happened was with a word document it flipped it around you know it's supposed to go from left to right now it reads from right to left so when I looked in the mirror it was like oh that's right that looks right I go to work the next day and this Jewish woman that I work with looks at my tattoo and she's like what's that saying I'm like oh oh she's gonna love this I go, it says tikkun olam, and she goes, um, no, it says malo nukit. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? She's like, no, it's wrong. You should get your money back. And I mean, I just like, I'm beat red. I just feel like a complete idiot. I play a Johnny Cash show that night, ironically, with, with Dan Neal. Oh, yeah. Playing a Johnny Cash tribute show. And there's a couple folks standing in the front of, of the, they're kind of like moving their, their heads to read my arm. And they're like, what's your arm say? And I said, it says tikkun alam. They go, no, it doesn't. <laughs> That's backwards. That's wrong. How are you going to get that fixed? And so I had to kind of go through this for a few months. And my brother was making fun of me. And I kind of felt like the complete clowny Jew dude who, who like didn't even know Hebrew. And so I went on tour with Amy Mann. Amy Mann asked me about the tattoo, and I just said, don't even ask me what it means. She goes, no, really, just just explain it to me. So I tell her the story, and she looks at it, and I just said, I feel like an idiot. And she's like, no, no, no. Dude, this is God's way of making you look in the mirror. Because it's only correct when you look in the mirror, right? And tikkun olam is basically this idea that in order for us to be redeemed we need to kind of get our own house in order we need to help everybody around us so i thought that was awesome that is totally awesome yeah that survived like it's better than a snickers commercial when they have it written on their mind that's a spectacular story i'm glad i asked that 
Um, another thing I was going to ask you about one of your current projects. I had Matt Kirkwald on here recently. Oh yeah, Matt. And right. He, and how did you play the show with those guys with the XTC band? Yes. I know you're a big music buff. Can you tell me a little about XTC? I don't know hardly anything about them. XTC is a band that kind of started in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, big, big music fans. They were uh, at a time where people were making a lot of pop records and electronic synth things. They were sort of a guitar-heavy band predominantly. Uh, really unusual chord changes and harmonic movement in the songs that really set them apart from a lot of other bands and they kind of decided they didn't want to tour I saw I actually saw them in 1980 was it 81 or 80 with uh, the police at the old Minneapolis armory and there was like maybe a thousand people total and I was one of the few people standing in the front of the stage when XTC was playing and they had all these crazy guitar pedals and they just had this wacky sound I'd never heard before and they listened to a lot of music from the 60s, and they started off kind of punky and became more sort of musically sophisticated as time went on. And it was almost like they took what the Beatles were doing and, and pushed it into this other more exotic, musically, harmonically challenging place. But, you know, interestingly, I say they're not a pop band. They were really sort of pop, like... There's something very catchy about all of their music. Um, I kind of see them as a guy band for some reason. Like, it's not a lot of women tend to dig the music, but uh, Andy Partridge is the predominant song songwriter in the band. Really great. So Paul Boblet started this annual XTC tribute, I don't know, five years ago maybe? Yeah. Uh, as a way to raise money for cancer. His wife had, had been struck with cancer and... So this was a, a nice sort of charitable effort, but it's just uh, kind of builds steam every year and gets bigger every year. Yeah. Nice to be a part of it. What songs were you singing? The uh, Nigel tune? I did not sing the Nigel tune. That's a great one, though. Um, I sang Wake Up, which is a, a track off of a record called Big Express in 1985. It was a song that had a lot of meaning for me when I was in college. I sang Towers of London, which was a song that meant a lot to me in high school. I, I, I followed this band uh, through my high school experience into college. I was just, every time they put a record out, I was always, it was always great. Wow. Um, I've done other songs with them, too. I can't remember off the top of my head, but every year I try to do something different. I'd never even heard of them before. So Kirkwall was talking about that because he had a practice that night. Yeah. And he said it was just brutal. Well, he's, I mean, he's... He's amazing. That guy's kind of savant-like memory of guitar parts, and, and he's and, and that XTC stuff is not easy. It's a real, it's challenging guitar playing. Okay, cool. I know earlier you mentioned uh, 
the first playing First Avenue, uh, that iconic place. What's some of your favorite places to, to perform at in the Twin Cities over the years? I'm sure you will. I love the Cedar. Cedar Cultural Center is a great place to play. I've done a number of shows there. It just always feels like the audience is with you. It's a very quiet room. Um, what else do I like? I mean, the entry's cool. Turf Club. The Aster River Room. So there's the Aster Cafe, and then there's this river room that's kind of like a limestone-walled room. I did a show there in January my, with my solo band that was really awesome. Um, I don't know, I played at the Walker a couple months ago. That was kind of nice. That I've always cool, wanted yeah. to play at the Walker stage. How did the the Hazelden show go? Oh, it was great. That was really cool. That was with, uh, I'm trying to remember who all was on that bill. Um, Hippocampus, Cloud Cult, Devine and the Vagabonds, big crowd. Sound was awesome. Beautiful sunny day. It's perfect. Doesn't Cloud Cult, don't they paint that picture, have artists paint and stuff while mm-hmm. they're performing? I did not see them that night, but yeah, that's kind of their thing. They've got somebody doing art while they're performing. Okay. So... Where are you from then? Are you from St. Paul, Minneapolis here? Yeah, I mean, I was born in Bloomington, Indiana and lived in Lexington, Kentucky briefly. And my dad got a gig up in Moorhead, Minnesota. So lived there for a couple of years. Okay. So started out in kind of smaller towns and then um, moved to St. Paul as a kid and grew up mostly in St. Paul. Went to high school in St. Paul. Okay. So when you first started playing, what kind of clubs were you playing? Are they still around? Or Yeah. Well, Entry was one of my first gigs. Really? Yeah. So when I was, you know, 16, there was a club on 26th and 26th in Minneapolis called uh, Duffy's. I remember it. Okay. Yeah. And that turned into Norma Jean's in the mid-80s. But it was one of the few music bars in town. There was, like, the Caboose, the Entry... Uh, Duffy's, and so I played at Duffy's, and we would, you know, every time we'd go in to play there, there'd be strippers. That was the thing, like, <laughs> they'd have, you know, ca- uh, happy hour stripper show, and then the bands would come in and set up. We, we played with the replacements, we played with Suburbs, oh. the Flamin' O's. Uh, I can't even remember all of the out-of-town acts we played with, but that was my coming of age, you know, as a high school kid, getting that introduction. I was in a, I was in a, a band that was I don't know, I guess kind of new wave. You know, as I said, I was listening to XTC and Elvis Costello and The Clash and all of the ska music, these British ska bands like The Specials and The English Beat. And I was kind of synthesizing everything I was listening to and then watching these really amazing Minnesota bands that were kind of in their own class, you know, internationally. This There wasn't anybody that sounded like the suburbs. There wasn't anybody that sounded like the replacements. So uh, I I got the best of all worlds, you know. I am fascinated with that that era of the Twin Cities music scene. Yeah. Um, I worship the suburbs. I think I have every single one of their albums. Awesome. Um, Hugo's been on the podcast oh, a few cool. times. I can't talk Chan into coming on, but maybe someday. Yeah. Um, yeah, the suburbs and uh, uh, Flamin' O's. Robert's going to be on. The, oh, nice. I love those guys, too. Cool. Um, did you were you ever around like that? I was, I'm kind of fascinated with that Longhorn. Yeah, bar you know era. that's a little before my time. Um, 
I, I think the Longhorn is done by about 1980. Wouldn't it have been cool to see that though? Oh those yeah, classic guys down Frickin there. Freaking police played there, and they, you know, load after their show at the Longhorn. They loaded all their gear into a station wagon. They toured the U.S. in a station wagon. That kind of freaks me out. Wow. That band, you know, that one of the biggest pop bands of the 1980s, rock and roll pop bands. They came through the Twin Cities and played a, you know, a little. Little rock and roll dive. You should have Sin Collins on here. Do you know Sin? No, I do not, but I'll write it down. Yeah, right Sin just just wrote a book for the Minnesota Historical Society called Complicated Fun that's about the Twin Cities music scene between 1975 and 1980. Interviews a lot of local musicians and just that very significant period that formed the the scene, you know, Husker Du came up and the replacements and there were all of these other bands, the Hipsters and Johnny Ray and the Reaction and the Suicide Commandos and oh, on yeah. and on and on. Um, but there were venues that no longer exist and these guys were sort of the pioneers of that of that era of, of rock and roll in the Twin Cities. And she just knows, you know, she spent, I don't know, four years researching that book. Wow. Yeah. What an interesting scene. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah. Um, so I did have this written out. So who, let's say, local bands over your year, over the years, what ones what were most influential to you as far as songwriting, stage presence, the whole deal? Yeah. I mean, I would say Prince probably dominates above everyone. And it just, you know, I was saying I was listening to XTC and following all their records. Prince, too. Like, every record that came out. Um, I, I just... I loved soul music and funk music, and I always felt like there was this divide, this cultural divide in a lot of people's minds in Minnesota. There was a, there was Prince, and then there was the Suburbs replacements, Husker Du, and I think all of those bands were listening to what Prince was doing and, and kind of digesting it and processing it in certain ways, but there was something about the genius of Prince that was, was unprecedented musically there was there was just nothing like it and the way that he was bringing together so many different influences in a lot of very similar in some ways to Jimi Hendrix okay you know like Hendrix was this guy that was psychedelic and funky soulful bluesy he was listening to pop music he was just digesting and creating this totally new thing and it didn't fit anywhere uh and I think in a lot of ways, Prince was, was that guy. I think Prince was also a, an entertainer uh, that was on a par. There was just nobody that could compare with that. He just completely would outdo himself. So there was this part of this, this interesting juxtaposition, because you have, with the replacements, flannel T-shirts and kind of downplaying, you know, what you look like. You're kind of humble. And then you have Prince, who is this just expansive superstar godlike presence and to me somewhere between that was you know where a really good rock and roll show happened there was something really cool about the humility of of Minnesota acts that and you still see that tradition in Minnesota acts like atmosphere the hip hop artist is very humble in interviews you know he's really downplay his he downplays his fame internationally even though the guys like pretty huge yeah outside of the twin cities um and then there are bands like trip shakespeare
who to me also saddled that place. You know, they were very theatrical and very polished and had these amazing harmonies and great musicianship. And I think I, I watched Trip Shakespeare as they were kind of growing and, and took their lead as far as what a good rock and roll show was going to be like and what was entertaining. Cool. Um, I was, I've been binging on your solo stuff and Honey Dog stuff for the last two days. So early Honey Dog's records, it's real Uncle Tupelo kind of country rockish. So you've been talking about all the new wave stuff and yeah. XTC and Prince. Right, when right, did right. You, when did you dive into that stuff? Well, I... I started listening to Dylan and the Flying Burrito Brothers and... Is that uh, Graham Parsons? Yeah, Graham Parsons' band, The Birds. I mean, I was... When I was in college, I went into this wormhole of older American music, old folk, old blues, old jazz, and kind of concentrated on just being like a really good guitar player that could play all of these bags of American music. Uh, and I just fell in love with country and, and honky-tonk. And and <laughs> when I got out of college, the first thing I was doing was playing in VFWs, just kind of, you know, you mentioned Dan Neal. He became sort of a mentor to me. Just like Roy Clark. Roy Clark. Fiddling a guitar. Fiddling a guitar. Kicking ass and taking ass. as a guitar player who grew up listening to that music and also kind of played blues and country and jazz and kind of mixed it all together. And so I, that's kind of what I wanted to do. And there were, there were bands at the time that I was discovering this stuff that were also listening to the band and the Flying Burrito Brothers and the Birds and the Riders, the Purple Sage and uh, the Grateful Dead, you know, the Jayhawks. Yeah. And so I was watching them and going, that's what I want to do. They're listening to all this stuff that I wanted to play and I want to write music. And and so I joined this band, The Picadors, as the side guitar player and brought to the table kind of my country blues influences in that band and watched Chris Lynch, who was an amazing singer and songwriter. And he kind of carved out stylistically this thing that I also really loved, you know, like... He brought together the 60s and 70s songwriters with rock and roll and just mixed this together in this really cool way. And then when the Picadors broke up, my brother said, let's, let's keep playing. You should just keep writing songs and singing songs. I sang a couple in the Picadors. And when, I, when I'd sing the songs, I, I didn't consider myself a singer or songwriter, but people really were responsive to them. And Noah picked up on that. Noah said, dude, you know, you should just just write stuff, we'll just start a band, call it Adam Levy or whatever, and it evolved, but it was mostly kind of country and rock, like I loved The Clash, but I also loved Merle Haggard, you know? Yeah. And so there was this, there was this thing that was going on at the time, and there were bands like, the, as I said, the Jayhawks and Uncle Tupelo and aspects of the replacements that all kind of did this, you know, it was like rock and country mixed together, kind of a new generation, different from the Flying Burritos, different from, different from uh, the Eagles because of, I think, punk rock music. Punk kind of infused the alt-country with this energy, this kind of sloppy yeah. energy. So that's kind of where I was with the first few Honey Dogs records, was in that, ba that, that 
wheelhouse. And, and I think there was something kind of percolating. There was this Americana thing going on, and there were a lot of labels that were like, ooh, what's the next thing? Who's the wallflowers? You know, who's, who's counting crows? Who's the next Uncle Tupelo? Whatever. We were, we were kind of in that bag. Yeah. Well, I think your Beatles influence goes through there, too, because I swear to God in that one song, uh, Baby, Baby, what's it, She Keeps Me Busy? Oh, uh, Busy Man? Busy Man. I swear you have subliminal <laughs> subliminal messages in there, because listening to that, you cannot not drink a beer after listening <laughs> to that, that yeah. song. It's so honky-tonk and rocking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was that was that side of me that was more just sort of barroom country music for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, part two's done. You want to do one more episode? Yeah. Talk about the Honey Dogs. Right on. Okay, so I like to do the story behind the song segment. I know this isn't an era, but one of my favorite songs years is off of last year's uh, Love and Cannibalism record. Yeah. Devices. I've listened to it like a sure. thousand times. I love that song. Uh, love the word choices and the chorus and stuff like that. Can you share the story behind the song on that song? And the live performance on that current thing was awesome. Thanks, man. <clears throat> um, you know, as a latecomer to that batch of songs, that song and uh, Art and Vandalism, which is where the record title, yep. lyric record title comes from, those were two latecomers and... You know, I can't exactly remember what I was thinking about. I know the the reference is this idea that we are we're consumed by this conversation that we're having with this micro technology. You know, our lives are dominated by these little tiny objects that we never could have imagined, or only in science fiction, that we interact with the world, we do our business, we see everything, we project an image of ourselves through this little thing. So basically the song is about that, you know, just that, the ups and downs of this brave new world that we're living in right now. Who's the killer horn player? That is two dudes. Well, the, the trumpet player, the, the trumpet solo, it's kind of a Miles Davis-style solo, is Stephen Kung. Okay. He's great. And Matt Darling plays trombone. So, yeah, I would say the horns are pretty significant on that whole that whole record and I think as time has gone on the horn players who really have been sort of playing with the band since about 2001 every subsequent record they kind of get more involved in in creating really cool parts and and that the last Honey Dogs record I think has got a lot of great horn stuff on it there's a lot of good songs in the album um I went through, I was walking around Como Lake yesterday, and I knew a number of your songs from before, whatever. Uh, oh, I was going to ask you about that 10,000 Years one, too. That's yeah. one of their favorite ones. But I'll ask you about that one yeah. later. But uh, uh, And I was going through all your songs, like kind of flipping through YouTube and, and iTunes and all that stuff, and I was kind of saving all my absolute favorite ones. I spent a few hours, whatever, doing that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff I picked are my favorites overall was like the new stuff, like huh. the love and cannibalism stuff. Like awesome. that. I really like that stuff a lot. That's what every songwriter wants to hear. Yeah, it was just, it was, I was really, I could tell the old stuff and I love a lot of that stuff too, but it's really the new stuff I really loved. Like uh, the, like the devices, there's one on I really like there too. I wish I'd have wrote that one down. Um, I mean, you know, you write songs for 20 years. The hope is that you're not getting worse at what you do. 
<laughs> you know, as time goes on, you become, I think, I've said it before, kind of more economical with how you write songs. You don't feel like you have to throw every hook in there. Things can kind of spread out and breathe and relax a little bit. I don't feel like I've got as much to prove anymore. But I also feel like I haven't written my best song yet, you know? I don't know when that'll happen. I'm pretty proud of my body of work and discography, but you always look forward to what's the next thing? Yeah. What am I doing now? What am I going to do now? That planning kind of keeps you hopeful and looking forward. And right now I'm working up material for the next Honey Dogs record, which has been really fun. Awesome. Mr. Adam Levy, thank you for being on the Mark Stereo Music pleasure. Podcast. Please tune in next week for part three. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Stary Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for a new podcasts about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. This is a listener-supported podcast, so if you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Stary Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some of the musical edits on the show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging on iTunes and load up on some new songs. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go with some fun. Till next time.
Left to our own devices. 